Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so thrilled to have you tuning in as part of the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired episode, we have amazing guests join us to share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. Yes, you're going to hear profound stories of men and women galvanized through adversity, but more than that, you're going to hear examples of individuals who woke up from accidental living and through their lives and through their teachings will be capable and inspire us to wake up also from accidental living so that we can live inspired. My friends, have you ever felt stuck? And I'm not just referring to you know out in the snow maybe or you've been four-wheeling with some buddies and you got stuck in your automobile or your truck, but have you ever felt stuck in life? You ever felt stuck in a relationship? You ever felt like you're stuck in status quo or you're stuck emotionally feeling broken, busted, that you're just not living into the best version of yourself? Have you ever felt stuck? Well, today's guest is going to be able to share three words to free, to permit you, to inspire you, to empower you to get unstuck. I am thrilled to have an author, a speaker, an inspiration an expert in improvisation, a coach, and a friend of mine. My friends, let's welcome together onto the Live Inspired podcast, my buddy, Travis Thomas. Travis Thomas, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Oh, what an honor, John. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. I, 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 it's crazy that I'm sitting here with you on the podcast. Uh, people are going, who in the heck is Travis <laughs> Thomas? So uh, uh, it's just a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, man, it's, it's my pleasure. And, and I was saying, who in the heck is Travis? Yeah. About three years ago, one of my <laughs> colleagues that I work with, Abby Richter, who, by the way, is really directing these podcasts. She does a phenomenal job. Uh, not only guiding me, but bringing in the, the appropriate guest. Well, three years ago, she brought your name to my attention as someone I should consider having as a leadership speaker. I had not really heard of you. I did a little bit of research. We brought you up to St. Louis. You did a phenomenal job to such a great degree that we brought you back the following year. So we respect you. We're delighted you're here. But for those who may not have heard you then live or may not follow you, tell us a little bit about your work today. Yeah, so uh, my company is called Live Yes And, uh, which is kind of an unusual name, uh, Live Yes And, and, and Yes And comes from the world of improvisation. And so I've been uh, an improvisational actor, comedian for 17 years, uh, started in Boston 17 years ago, and I was just kind of doing the corporate thing in Boston, always wanted to get into comedy, uh, did a little bit of stand-up in college, but I can't really count that, uh, moved to Boston, my wife and I, early on, and uh, went to a show and I said, I need, I, it's one of those few moments in my life where, where, you know, just this moment of like providence where I'm like, I need to do that. Right. I need to do that just for the enjoyment. And I signed up in the training center the next day, uh, said yes and to it. And uh, I went through a year and a half of classes, 
uh, was fortunate enough to kind of get cast into the different casts, worked my way up to the main stage, which was like a dream come true. Uh, and so improv is all based on those two words, yes and. I know we can talk more about that right. in, in a little bit. Uh, and so over the next 17 years, uh, my, my life has been a crazy journey path like most people are. And uh, I got into personal development, life coaching, uh, mentoring. I've been a college coach. Uh, I, I've worked at uh, this, this sports facility, IMG Academy down in Florida, which is like the premier sports right. facility Huge. in the world. And uh, so I've worked with professional athletes. I've done the corporate training thing for all these years. And what I have found over and over and over again was that great teams and teams that thrive, uh, that, are, that are healthy, sustainable, that are high-performing teams really operate under these ideas, these principles of improvisation. And yes and is kind of the main principle of improvisation. So when I sort of went off on my own almost two years ago, uh, it, it's been such a, a transformational idea mm-hmm. for me that I wanted to build the whole brand around this idea of yes and, so therefore live yes and. Well, and we are going to unpack it during this interview. Yeah. And it's just to kind of start with the end in mind, Travis, in our office environment these days, in our own firm, we practice this. Yeah. Because the, the common response to crazy ideas is no but. No but. Right. No but. We say it to our right. spouse. We say it to our kids. We say it to our colleagues. We yeah. say it to clients and prospects. No but. Uh, and you've taught us how to have a yes and mentality, not only in the, around the boardroom, but around the bedroom, yeah. uh, around life in general. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. been extremely impactful for me. And yet we're not going to start there today. Okay. It's been said that everybody's got a story. It's just not the story they tell the world. Right. And so here we are today. We're in the studios. We're looking great. We're physically fit specimens oh, of men. If you I'm could see you. us. If you yes. can see us. I wish right. you all could see us right. today. But that's not where the story began. So take us way back to your childhood. Where are you from? What was childhood like for you? Right. Well, a lot of people listening, uh, unfortunately, probably know my hometown for, for negative reasons. I'm from Flint, Michigan, uh, which a lot of people know about the water crisis there right now, which is still very real. I was just in Flint uh, last week doing some work and visiting family and friends there that are still that are still there. So we, we kind of know about the tragedy uh, about that. But but Flint, Michigan is home. It'll always be home to me. I live in Florida now. But I grew up in Flint, Michigan. And interestingly enough, um, I grew up there in the 80s. Uh, General Motors is the hometown. Uh, Flint is the mm-hmm. hometown. So I was there, and you kind of really grow up in the shadows of, of General Motors plants. Mm. You know, anywhere you go, there's there's a GM plant. And uh, my father had a local business, a fast food hamburger restaurant called Halo Burger, uh, which my grandfather started. And so mm. I kind of grew up um, just knowing the town through my dad, through – he was just this very uh, uh, relatable and uh, man of the city. And so I grew up with a lot of pride, and I felt like uh, uh, I just got to know Flint really well through my dad being a business owner and uh, and kind of you know seeing the struggles that the town went through, and that affected obviously our business and our, our lifestyle growing up. Uh, but I was besides that, I was just a, I was a normal kid who loved sports, had a uh, you know what for Flint, Flint being kind of a gritty you know kind of a gritty area. Uh, I grew up in a very idyllic uh, mm. uh, Norman Rockwellian sort of childhood when I think about it. And uh, you know you're you know playing ball in the street with your friends yeah. and and it was just uh, even though there was so much going on in Flint, it was it was a really normal uh, childhood that I quite honestly. To this day, I don't feel like I could have had a better experience. I'm so blessed and so grateful. And, and, and two parents that, that supported my dreams and my passions. And I never felt like I had to live up to any, any, uh, any image or any pressure from them. 
Um, so it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful upbringing. And, and, um, but to kind of go through the ebbs and flows of what Flint has gone through as a city, uh, I think was very sort of uh, uh, transformational for me. What? And I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. But your father, this burger flipper, this yes. business owner, small business owner yeah. in a small town yep. that rides and falls with the tides of GM. Uh, restaurant business is about the most difficult business there is to operate. I believe one in six, one in seven fail. So I'm, I'm right. just curious, growing up, was dad at work just constantly? And also eventually were you at work all the time? Well, yeah, dad was at work constantly. And I think the uh, uh, the trick for my dad was that he loved it. He loved it up uh, at work by 5 a.m. every morning um, and working as long as he needed to work. I was the last of four children. You know, I was kind of the, the mistake in the family or, or my mom would say the the angel that arrived. Uh, I yes. arrived right as two of my grandparents were, were passing away, one from each side of the family. I, I, I arrived in the middle month of, of that sort of uh, uh, tough time for our family to go through. So my mother was like, oh, you were the angel that arrived at the right time. But from a family standpoint, my dad, uh, he loved he loved to work and he loved the business, but he also he loved his family. And so growing up as a kid, my dad was our, my coach a lot. Right. And I don't think he ever missed a game growing up. And so as much as he sort of loved his work, he also sort of set this standard of um, but it's you know, you're never too busy sort of to uh, to uh, to see your kids and their activities. And so that was I think that was a, that had a big impact on me. You went on, you played activities, you had the sports, you played ball, yeah. you go on to college. Yes. Where'd you go? I went to Principia College, which for anyone in the St. Louis or Midwest area is, is right on the Mississippi, right across the river from St. Louis, right on the bluffs, a beautiful uh, uh, campus, beautiful environment, which was the complete opposite of what I grew up in. I grew up going to public schools my right. whole life. And then I go to this small private school. There were more students in my my senior class of high school than there were at my college. And most people in St. Louis don't know of Principia. No. And it's, it's no. our neighbor. So I'm curious, yeah. how did a kid from Flint, Michigan, yeah. hear about this little bluff town college on the banks of the Mississippi? Yeah, well, my oldest sister went, went to college there. And uh, Principia is a, is a private religious school. It's affiliated with Christian Science. I grew up in Christian Science. Uh, I, I still practice Christian Science. And so that was, it's really the only Christian Science college in the world. It just happens to be, you know, across the river of St. Louis. And so... So we, we don't talk about two things on this show, religion yeah. and politics. So we'll talk about both right okay, now. Okay, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> religion, Christian scientists, there, yeah. there are a whole lot of talk about it, but I don't think a whole lot of us know a whole yeah. lot of folks who practice it. T- yeah. Tell us what that means. Yeah, wow. Uh, uh, I'll try not to be the spokesman for Christian science right now, but I'll, I'll give it to, to what it means to me. Uh, so I grew up in Christian science. Christian science to me, it's funny. You know, The name kind of sounds funny, Christian science. And if you think of it this way, it's, um, it's the science of Christ. It's the science of Christianity. And so it was, it was founded by a woman in the Northeast in the 1800s by the name of Mary Baker Eddy. Um, who had a very sort of, you know, uh, uh, was, a, was a Bible reader and a, and, a, and a Bible seeker and, and just had a very sort of transformational experience um, and uh, wrote this book called Science and Health. And she never intended to start a church, but the book was so transformational and it was based on the Bible and it was specifically based on Jesus, his life, and his healings. Mm-hmm. And so she never, like, again, she never intended for a religion to be created around it, but it was so, there were so many people that were living it being transformed by it, being healed by it, and she was she was doing work as well. That they just kind of said, "Well, we we need to have our own church." It was mm-hmm. it wasn't super embraced by by other Christian faiths, yeah. and so it kind of sprung up out of necessity, not out of design. And so for me, growing up in Christian Science, um, it's it's very belief based. 
um, the power the power of belief and, and your true spirituality. You know, God is an all-loving God. And so I grew up, I look at the work that I'm doing now with Live Yes And, and it's really based on, you know, obviously our beliefs create our reality, right? And uh, And I grew up that way. And from the standpoint of if you align your beliefs sort of with spiritual truth with a capital T, you know, um, uh, aligning your beliefs with the way that an all-loving God sees you, there's nothing that's not possible from your health to your success to anything. And so that was, you know, I had I had a lot of physical healings growing up as a child, but from relationships to all aspects of my life, it, it laid this foundation as I've gotten older into personal development, and I'm a lover of all spirituality now that I just feel grateful that that was sort of the... That's the, your underpinning. Yeah, that I grew up with. And so, you know, I'm I'm interested in everything, but it's still sort of that bedrock that I come back to. All right. And just to ask one more question around Christian yeah. science, are you free to seek medicine and surgeries and doctors' opinions? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably one of the misconceptions over the years. It's actually probably one of the misconceptions for, for people that grow up in Christian science and this idea that Christian scientists don't go to doctors or they can't go to doctors. And uh, it, it's it's just, it's not the case. It's, it's not written anywhere. It's more of a kind of a, a, a cultural thing that evolved sort of over the years that was, you know, a misconception that kind of became a part of the culture. And mm-hmm. now I think there's much more education around it now that it's, it's, it's what I, and what I love about Christian science is, is that it respects the individual's experience. And it's the, the idea that each of us has a direct connection to the divine. And so from that standpoint, if you have your direct connection to the divine, I have a direct connection to the divine. My experience is my experience and your experience is your experience. So my path might take me if I feel like I need to go to the hospital for medical care. Great. You don't feel like you have to do that. Great. But at no point does it sort of, quote unquote, make me a bad Christian scientist or a bad person. It's all about um, where am I at my journey right now? What do I need right now that's going to take care of me? Um, and if it's if it's prayer right now, and and, and that's your comfort zone, great. Uh, if it's going and seeking medical help right now, that's your experience, great as well. So, well, thanks, th- and thanks for asking that question because I know that's such a that's such a big sort of. I know topic a whole lot of folks are. You know, yeah. this wasn't yeah. planned. I'm just curious. No, about no, it. no. Actually, I just had a conversation with uh, another gentleman this morning, and um, uh, it's 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 a topic that I don't talk about a lot, but right. I, I'm I'm completely comfortable talking about. Well, it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you get into improv, yes. not only on this show. But in general, right. was it in college, Travis? No, you know it's funny. There was a there was a college improv group, um, and I looked at them. I'm like, oh, these guys are amazing, so good. But I didn't do it because they were more of the theater crowd, and I I, I played a sport and. It's just that the whole funny thing. That was like a, a humble brag. He's a jock is what he's saying. <laughs> I am not, he just won't say it aloud. I am not. There's a funny side note. I just gave uh, 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 Alumni Weekend this October. I gave the um, uh, the Hall of Fame commencement talk at, uh, at, at at Principia College, and I just laughed because I was probably the, the, the <laughs> most mediocre athlete that ever came through the program. So uh, the number of people who must have turned down that talk, John, <laughs> right. is amazing. But, uh, you know, my one career goal uh, as a college soccer player. So uh, I am not a jock. I uh, have had illusions of grandeur. But uh, so yeah. you were but you weren't in the theater group. You were hanging out with more of the athletic Yeah, groups. you know, that silly, silly, stupid thing that, you know, you can't do both. And it's just it's silly. And so kind of that that dream inside of me to want to get into theater and performance. Uh, it took being out of college and moving to a new city and, and having that uh, uh, exposure to a show and going, wow, I really want to do that. And I just jumped in with both feet. 
most people's worst nightmare is being in front of an audience. Yeah. And that's when you're prepared yes. to get the best man remarks or whatever the comments right. are you're supposed to share with the microphone in hand. Man, you, t- you take it to a whole new level when it's improv because yeah. you have no clue what's coming next. Right. So for a guy who had never done before, never really been in the keynote world, never really held a microphone to go from nothing to yeah. all in, what, what's that like the first time? It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying and yet exhilarating at the same time. You know, uh, I, I, I do performance coaching now, which is, again, it's all just mindset, right? Life is a performance. So whether I'm talking to an athlete or a musician or a house mom or, you know, an executive, we talk about performance. Performance is performance. And, uh, you know, so when you, when you think about being nervous, getting on stage, and most people are like, oh, I'd be so nervous. And I'm like, yes, absolutely you'd be nervous. That means you care, right? I like to equate being nervous with caring mm-hmm. about something, whether it's sports or whatnot. And so, and really physiologically in your body, the same things are going on when you're nervous than when you're excited. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're two sides of the same coin. And so... Um, as an improviser, when I get on stage and I feel those nerves, instead of going, oh, no, you know, this might turn out bad and being nervous, it's like, oh, yes, this, how exciting this is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be exciting. And so I think for me, and, and uh, it's, it's just reframing that, that nervousness into excitement. And then again, you know, being, getting trained in improvisation, yes, you are making it up on the spot. So what does that mean to be trained in improvisation? Well, there's a certain set of principles that you learn along the way that we can talk about that is sort of the bedrock for, well, how, how do two or more people step on stage and create something out of nothing? Um, what is the relationship that's in place for that to happen? And I think that's where the magic is. That's what's so special about improvisation. Let's talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we all do improv every day. Absolutely. When you place an order at Starbucks or when you uh, come right. home from a long day and you stare either at the wall or a partner, <laughs> spouse, child, parent, neighbor. Right. Now what do we talk about? It's always improv. It's, yes. So help us do improv well on stage and on the stage of our lives, Travis. Yes. So let's just get into what yes and is. And if you run into anyone who's done any improvisation, they'll say yes. Yes and is the bedrock of improvisation. So yes and, John, is yes is acceptance. And so uh, so if you and I are doing it, so we'll just tell a story real quick, all right? So John and I didn't, didn't pre-script this. So we'll tell a story about uh, uh, there once was a dog that went to the park, right? And so everything that you say, I yes and. Anything I say, you yes and. So right. we'll just do it right now, right? John, <laughs> right. once there was a dog that went to the park. Yes. And uh, it forgot its owner at home. Yes. And it uh, it went to get on the bus, but the bus driver wouldn't let him on. Yes, and so it chased the bus all the way to the third stop. Yes, and when the bus stopped, it jumped into the bus and onto the the driver's lap. Yes, and but it forgot its license and was immediately arrested by the officer. Yes, and so the officer took it down to the dog pound where it ran into a stray gang of cats. Uh, Yes, and this is going downhill quickly, but I think the point is being proven that the continuous conversation flow and expansion of what you're talking about is right in front of you, even when you're making up something as crazy as talking about a dog in a park. So uh, if you analyze it, yes, and it's essentially this. You and I have uh, have agreed that uh, no matter what the other person says, the other person's going to accept it with yes. So yes equals acceptance on stage. I accept that what you're telling me is is true for this scene. Um, and so now we're on the same page. There's no, there's no disagreement. Um, that we're creating a story out of nothing, so we're agreeing to the details that, being, that are being told by saying yes. The and, and this is where it's so awesome, the and is where you have power. So I've just given you a detail. You say yes to it, and basically whatever information mm-hmm. I gave you, what an offer, 
you just yes it, accept it, and now you you give me more information based off of that idea, and that's the and. So the and is power. And so it's like you and I are playing a match of tennis. I hit a ball to you. You say yes to that ball, and, and you hit a new ball back to me. And so we're just we're just rallying back and forth with one another. At no point are we competing with one another. Mm-hmm. Are we trying to sabotage the other person? And so the the underlying agreement of yes and is that we're 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 creating this together. We're in this together. And I I trust and respect anything that you say. And I've got your back. So yes and is about creating that relationship. Now yes and 3.0, which is the reason I you know I, I started live yes and. If you take that approach to every aspect of your life, a guy cuts you off on the way to work in the morning, right? Yes, the guy just cut you off. (laughs) The and is how am I going to respond to this? How am I going to respond to this in a cooperative way? You know, John, I'm big on purpose, right? We're both big on purpose. So when you're clear on what your life's purpose is, what is it inside of you that is most important? Every interaction in life should be a reflection of that. And so if a guy cuts me off on the road, yes, he just cut me off the road. He almost killed me. And how am I going to respond? Well, if I'm on purpose, I'm going to respond peacefully, right. gracefully, uh, compassionately. If i off purpose, I don't know my purpose, I might try to cut him off. I might mm-hmm. make a huge mistake. I might hurt myself. I might hurt someone else. So yes, in life is all about accepting what is going on. I yeah. can't control what's going on. Um, maybe my, uh, uh, my marriage is falling apart. Maybe I have a health scare. Maybe there's something going on with the economy. I can't, I, I can't change the facts of that. I have to say yes to it. You know, I, I like to say you cannot progress until you say yes. So no matter what's going on in your life, we're in denial of it until we say, yes, this is what is happening. The and, again, we're not a victim. We're never a victim unless we, unless we say no. The and is, how am I going to respond to this and turn this into a blessing, turn this into an opportunity, turn this into my, my giant victory? Um, and so the and is my response to it. So there's, there is absolutely nothing that is happening to any of us that we cannot overcome when we respond with purpose and passion and love and compassion. And that is our giant yes and. And so when we live life that way, we're in acceptance with what is happening, and we're always responding to it um, in the moment uh, with the, the best possible version of ourselves that we can. Beautifully articulated. And Travis, as you travel around, whether it's speaking one-to-one with players or executives or as you speak to audiences, yes, as you hop on planes and in and out of traffic lanes, do you find that most people are living the yes, yes and mentality or do you find that more people are living the no but well, if most people are like me, they're probably living the no buts. And uh, uh, the reason I say that is because it, it's, you know, the blessing is, is I get to teach this on a daily basis. The reality is it's really hard. It's really hard. And I, I've got so many aspects of my life where uh, I've been pre-programmed to no but, to be in resistance of what is going on, to, uh, to want to ignore challenges in my life. And so the fact that I get to teach this on a day-to-day basis is just reinforcing it for me. So to answer that, I think a lot of us, and maybe it's not all aspects of your life, um, but it's, it might be one or two. And I think if it's one or two, that can really spill over into a lot of other areas of our life where we have just maybe accepted aspects of our life as there's nothing we can do about it, right. accepted relationships that we're in that there's nothing we can do about it, or our health, or our society, or our environment. And so we allow ourselves to kind of fall into that victim mindset. And I think each of us does it. And so for me... To learn kind of like this yes and mindset, it's almost, it's almost like a little red flag that goes off. 
you know, and, and when you notice yourself saying no but, when you notice yourself, uh, for me, the victim mindset is three things. I call it the, um, the BME. It's blaming, um, uh, I'm sorry, the BCE, blaming, complaining, or making excuses. If you notice the big BCE showing up in your life, it just means you're in the victim mindset and you're stuck. Blaming, complaining, and making excuses. And it is impossible to make any progress if you are blaming, complaining, and making excuses. And once you say, yes, this is what's happening, and instead of blaming someone else, uh, making excuses of why this is happening, or just complaining that there's nothing that you can do, you take ownership of it because it's just your, it's your beliefs. You take ownership of it. This is my actions. You take ownership and accountability, and you say, yes, okay, I'm in a tough spot right now. Mm-hmm. And how would I respond if I were on purpose? How would I respond at my best? And so when you notice yourself, those little red flags go off. I'm blaming, complaining, or making excuses. That's your opportunity to pause and shift into that victor mindset or that growth mindset and and choose a response that has power to it. You know, I'm, I'm nodding my head as you're talking, and my expectation is most of our listeners are nodding as well. And yeah. <laughs> what we know is uh, many of us hang out with people, whether that's at home, at work, uh, the guy who cut us off and almost killed us and our family. Right who are living the exact opposite way. Yes. And I'm sure, candidly, many of our mm-hmm. listeners are sometimes feeling like victims. They are blaming, they are complaining, and they are making excuses, sometimes all at once. How, how, how do we make that shift, Travis? Mm-hmm. That's my first question. And the yes. follow-up is going to be, and how do we encourage those around us to make that shift in their lives, in particular the ones that we really do care about? Yeah. Uh, so the, the first question of how do we make that shift, and um, <clears throat> I'm a firm— so, Sort of the three pillars of, of Live Yes And, John, is uh, purpose, authenticity, and life-transforming collaboration. And so as we've been talking about purpose, if we, if we want to get unstuck, and shameless, shameless plug for my book, John, three words for getting unstuck, Live Yes And. Yeah, the, the jock is always bragging on his, on his work. But go ahead and write it down, Live Yes And. And let me tell you this right now, the book is worthy. Anything Travis touches is worthy. So if you've not heard of the book or heard of Travis, Google it, go to Amazon, pick up a copy, and, and send me an email later thanking me for it. I, I appreciate that. So really, so we're talking about if, when we find ourselves being stuck. And being stuck is, is, is a sense of going back, to, uh, going back to our beliefs. And whether I'm working with an individual, a, a sports team, or a corporation, what you're talking about is the mindset that creates the culture. The culture creates our actions, right? So it all starts with purpose, and our purpose comes from our beliefs. And so whatever aspect in your life that you are stuck in, you are holding on to a belief or a set of beliefs that is allowing you to see yourself as less than. Mm. And so the, the, uh, the trap that we get in, John, is that you know, we, we live in a society, especially Western society, where we're bombarded on a daily basis that uh, we would be happier, we'd be much more successful, and we're really finally going to have everything that we need if we just get that yes. thing, if we finally get that car, if we finally find the woman of our dreams, if we finally get that promotion. And so we, we buy into this idea that if our surroundings, if our physical stuff, uh, if the things outside of our control would only be better, then we would live in a, a – we would finally be living we, the happy life. It, right. Right. And, and so that's, that's the trap that we live <clears> in <throat> where the reality is is that um, it's all about going back to our beliefs about what am I believing about my current situation that is that is causing unrest. 
um, that is causing unhappiness. And it's the belief about that that is, that is causing your perception to view it the way that it is. You know, I like to use the analogy, John, that you and I were sitting in the studio and there's a red wall. One of the walls is red. Now, if I love the color red and you hate the color red, right. we look at the wall and I say, John, what a beautiful wall. And you say, Travis, that wall is hideous. <laughs> yes. The red wall is simply a red wall. There is no value in that red wall until you and I color it with our mm-hmm. perspective, our perception. And so if we look at our life, the things that are happening in our life, there is absolutely no value to them until we bring our perspective to them. And that is where our beliefs come in. And so if I think that the job I have right now is a horrible job, that's because I'm bringing a, a perception to it that is making it feel horrible. Someone else might, might look at your situation and say, wow, that's a dream right. job. So if we want to get unstuck, we need to go back to our beliefs because our beliefs create our perspective and our perspective uh, uh, informs the action that we take, the behavior that we take. And so to get unstuck, we always have to go back to our beliefs, challenge our beliefs, um, read a great book, read John's book, read John's book, read so many great books out there. They're going to challenge your beliefs about yourself and about the world so that you can, you can raise your, your level of expectation, you can raise your mental model, and therefore start to um, yes and um, how you're viewing everything in your experience. Mm. So, so that, that's how we handle it individually. Yes. I, I can buy into that. Yes. How do we encourage those that we support, we parent, we marry, we work with, we live with? To also yeah. believe that this is possible, that their job doesn't stink, their attitude around it stinks. How do we get the wealthiest nation in the world to realize that we are far from poor? We yeah. are not perfect, but gosh, I mean, our, our poor are in the top, I think, 13% of the world's wealth. Yeah. That's, our, that's our poor. Right, right. So the, the, the perspective needs to shift on how fortunate yes. we are and how to make it even better individually, but also collectively. So yes. how do we get those around us to believe in this? Uh, the one word I would say would be empathy. Uh, I'll, I'll say that and I'll come back to it uh, because the reality is that anyone who uh, is not living in a cave right now, anyone who's not living in a cave understands that you can't change anybody. Uh, you're a parent of multiple kids. I'm a parent of, of three kids. I've been happily married for 20 years. Um, uh, but all of these wonderful people in my life, I cannot change them. Mm-hmm. I can go in with the best intentions, uh, but I cannot change them. But the key is to understand the difference between change and influence. I can't change a single person, but I can influence everybody. I can influence that guy that just cut me off on the road by doing what? By sending love his way, by, by sending forgiveness his way, by sending compassion his way. And we might never see each other again, but the way that I responded positively has a positive impact on him. Because I didn't, I didn't drive up and try to kill him, right? So my, my, how I choose to respond to a situation has has a, an effect on everybody around me in our, in, my, in our immediate circles, and then it just spreads out from there. And you think about it, if you start to think about it from that perspective, is that every, um, every interaction we have with someone on a daily basis, we either have the opportunity to bless or to hinder. And uh, how we show up, you know, how we show up in every interaction of our life to our kids, to the guy on the road, to our coworkers, uh, to the people that, that serve us at restaurants, to the homeless guy on the street, we have an opportunity to bless these people or be indifferent to these people or be negative to these people by how we choose to show up, how, how we choose to show up. And you know this more than anyone, John, that when you consistently make a point to show up at your best, 
it is really hard for those people around you not to be positively impacted by that. And I think that's how that's how you create um, amazing cultures is by for each of us individually to commit to being the best version of ourselves, right, which is that where that purpose comes in and then to be authentic about it, which is where that authenticity comes in. And this is what's huge. And so when I work with teams and organizations, <clears throat> when you create relationships, teams and cultures where people feel safe, trusted and respected, Google just ta- just uh, coined this term on the research they did. It's called psychological safety. Teams and relationships that have psychological safety, which is just a fancy word where people feel trusted and safe, that is where those are the teams that thrive. Why? Because people feel safe to be authentic. They feel valued and they feel trusted. And when you create that environment, that's where you have life-transforming collaboration because people are now not worried about their own safety psychologically or physically. They're not worried about protecting their own rear end. It's basically an improv mantra, John, is my goal is to make my partner look brilliant. Mm. And his or her goal is to make me look brilliant. I'm going to hit pause there. (laughs) Because it's so important. And I think sometimes we hear something and we nod our head and then you race to the next point. Yeah. What if, listeners, my friends, your job today was to make your spouse look brilliant? And what if your job today was to make your kids look brilliant and your boss look brilliant and the Starbucks barista look brilliant and the guys and gals in line behind you in the TSA line, just make them look brilliant. Right. How might that actually elevate the way they go about their day afterwards? It's it's huge. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. Not to take Trump's line. I'm, I'm going to quote him right now. It is huge. Okay, it, <laughs> it is. It's a big, big deal. And I, I do believe in the butterfly effect. I yes. think it's real. I think it's science, and I've yeah. seen it every day in my own life. And so, and the beauty of that is that when we create when we create relationships and teams where people are, are literally going, my job today is 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 to make my teammates feel brilliant or everyone around me to feel brilliant, and I don't need to worry about taking my, my own personal needs because I know everyone is also thinking about my needs. And so to go back to your the question a long time ago about how do you step on stage, you know, um, not knowing what you're going to say and, and create something, and that is the beauty of improvisation, which is I don't actually need to think. I don't have to think about it because I have so much trust in the people that I'm on stage with that they've got my back and that no matter what I do, they're going to yes-and me. Mm-hmm. And even if it looks like a horrible mistake that I just made, they're going to yes-and me. Again, another huge improvisational principle is there are no mistakes. Imagine a relationship or a group or a company where you operated under the mindset that there are no mistakes, not that we're intentionally going out and trying to screw up, but when mistakes happen, and they will happen, um, but a mistake is, is, is made and everyone is sitting there going, that's not right. a mistake. It's we're going to take that and we're going to yes and it. We're going to turn it into gold. Yes. We're going to turn it into brilliance. And we all know that you know the best innovations in the world were mistakes, yes. a mistake that they turned into something amazing. And if we had that mindset of uh, I can just show up, be my best. If I make a mistake, you've got my back. If you make a mistake, I've got your back. Um, oh, nothing feels better. Nothing feels better than being in those relationships. But that's hard. And that's why the safety piece, the trust and the respect. And that's why I, I mentioned empathy, because I think, I think what, we're, what we lack a lot when we can't figure out why we're not creating those relationships is because we're showing up to those relationships from just our perspective. And to, to have empathy, to walk into a situation where someone's not performing at their best from our perspective, and instead of going, you need to do this more, you need to do this more, mm-hmm. you need to do this more, to pause and go, hey, 
help me understand. I, I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. What's going on in your life? Um, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? What's important to you? What inspires you? And to sit beside them, to sit in their chair uh, uh, for a few minutes. And what does that do? That builds that that trust and that respect and that safety. And that's how, you know, when we do that consistently over a period of time, that's how we create amazing cultures. Travis, when people hear you speak or they go through one of your programs, you're coaching them one-to-one or they read your book. And uh, I'm asking a big question, but I want you to condense it down into a sentence or two. Yeah. What, what is that one big thing that you hope they hear or read or see or feel loud and clear that they can place into practice in their own lives? That if I, if, if I just right now yes and whatever is going on in my life right now, I can get unstuck. It's, it's, you know, and it's not, it's not figuring it out in one day. And actually, improv again, you're not figuring anything out. You're taking that one step today in the direction uh, of your heart, of your desire. And you take that one step today, you transform your experience, maybe a little, maybe a lot. And then you say yes and to the next step, mm-hmm. to the next step, and to the next step. So it's not about figuring it all out. It's about saying yes and right now because the momentum comes from, from, from accepting it right now and then taking action. You know, again, you know, we, we operate as improvisers. We operate under that. Uh, I think it's an African proverb, leap in the net will appear. <laughs> you know, and I've had to live that many a times in my own life with my family. And uh, we try to model that with our kids. And we're modeling it right now with our lifestyle. But I think that's that's to what do you put your faith in? Right. And mm. to the extent that your faith, whether it's God, it's God for me, uh, whether it's in love, to what do you put your faith in? Then you can leap and the net will appear. You can leap and know that you're going to be taken care of. And that's, I think that's the ultimate yes and, is I can say yes and and just trust. I trust myself and I trust God and I trust uh, everyone around me that I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Mm-hmm. can never control that. Uh, but I believe that the outcome is going, it's, it's going to be a good one, even if I don't know what that good one is. Well, it's awesome to hear a little honesty here. I think most of us <laughs> pretend to know the outcome. Oh, wow. And yeah. none of us have a clue Never. what yeah. will happen tonight or tomorrow morning. Right. So I appreciate you leaping into the net. And Travis, you uh, not only are a dear friend and a guy I look up to and respect and read, but you also follow our podcast. So you know what's coming next. We're oh, going to ask you wow. the Live Inspired 7. Is You've it, been This is the part I'm nervous about. You should be very nervous. Just respond <laughs> yes, Anna, and you're going to be just fine. What is the best book you've ever read? Oh, that's so tough. Uh, but I, 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 okay, I have an answer. So obviously, you know, I grew up reading the Bible, and then I mentioned Science and Health by Mary Baker Eddy. The book, though, uh, give me, give me a little more time, John, and your book is going to be top of the list as far as most recommended book, and, and that is complete honesty there. The book over the years that I've recommended the most is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Right. And I think when we talk about uh, helping people get unstuck and taking ownership of, of where you are in life, not from a victim mindset, but from a, oh, wow, all I have to do is shift my mindset and I can, I can have the life that I want. Stephen Pressfield lays it out so beautifully in a comedic way, but at the same time so profoundly powerful that uh, when I worked with high school kids, I gave it to high school kids. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that book when people say, hey, which, what, what's a book that you recommend? And I always recommend The War of Art. It's a great book. Yes. Tomorrow, Travis, you discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you with millions. What would you do with that newfound wealth? Uh, the first annual Yes Fest, John, the first annual Yes Fest. And I was just talking to a good friend of ours yesterday, Matt Miller, and we were talking. But He was like, Travis, what's the big thing that you want to do? 
And uh, th- those millions would be fantastic, uh, um, Uncle, whoever you are out there. Um, and, <laughs> right. and, and what I want to do, John, it's uh, I want to inspire. I want to help inspire not just me, but but uh, me and the General Learys and all the amazing speakers out there uh, to to put on an event or a series of events that are that are youth oriented, so that like uh, unlike me, they're not sitting in their thirties and forties and always getting the response that you hear from people. I wish that I had this when I was twelve, when I was fourteen, when yes. I was sixteen. So I want to put on a, uh, you know a yes fest, a yes festival where where kids are getting this at an age so they don't have to figure it out twenty or thirty years later. Well, I have every confidence. Yes fest is coming. <laughs> so who, coming to theaters? Who near wants you to soon. jump on board? Give me a call. If your house caught fire, Travis, and I know you've been through ups and downs in life, in all areas of life, but if your house caught fire and all living things, your beautiful wife and kids were out, and all living animals were out as well. You had a chance to run in and grab one thing, one item, a possession that really matters and means something to you. What's that yeah. one thing that you would <laughs> run back in for? I mean, the short answer is nothing. You know, I mean, part of part of our journey, uh, going back five years ago, I, I left a job. Uh, we packed our my wife and our three kids in a minivan, <clears throat> and we drove around for three or four months without a plan. We didn't know where we were going to end up. I had no safety no safety net, no trust fund to fall back on. It was a very scary but exhilarating experience. But what we learned from that was we had everything that we could fit in a minivan for six months, and we never lacked for a single thing. Mm. Uh, so, But if I had to go back into the house, I think the, the thing that I would grab is, is a collection of of uh, letters that my wife has written me, a collection of notes from from friends that have been so meaningful to me over the years, and uh, I think of a a book when I when I was the assistant college soccer coach a few years ago at Principia College. At the end of the season, the guys wrote a book where everyone wrote a page in the book mm. of the impact that I had on them that year. Awesome! And it, it it moves me. It moved me to tears. I get choked up thinking about it. And whenever I'm having one. <laughs> One of those stuck days, I sit in my closet and I, I bring that book out and I'm like, yes, you have value. Yes, you have worth. And so those would be the things that I grab. That's awesome. Uh, I think we all need that closet to return to and we all need that book to be reminded of. So thank you for the reminder yes. today. Yep. All right, Travis, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone living or dead, who would you want to hang out on that bench with? Man, so many good ones. Obviously, you know, Jesus is obviously a, a, a big answer. Uh, Mary Becker Eddy, who, again, the founder of Christian Science, would be a, a big answer. Uh, Oprah, I'd love to sit there, Oprah, and just have her wax poetic with me, Wayne Dyer's of the world. Um, but, uh, you know, if I only had that that one choice, I would, I would have to say, you know, Jesus, and just sit there and, and go, hey, Jesus, <laughs> look where we are. Like, was this what you meant? Right. Was this really what you meant? And, um uh, what's your one suggestion for us to kind of get on the get get on the path that that, that we that we should be on? <laughs> uh, let me know when you have that conversation. Yeah, what I'm, the answer I'm, is, so we can all start I'm, doing it. I'm I have a feeling it's as easy and as hard as loving one another. I, I think you're I think you're on a good path, John. I think you're on a good path. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, the best advice uh, I've ever received is is the hardest advice for me to take, which is um, which is not to care what other people think. I am a huge. <laughs> I, I I am so I put so much weight into how other people think about me, <clears throat> people that I'll never meet, people that I really don't care. Right. But I put so much weight into it, and I you know the biggest 
killer of authenticity is caring what people think about you. You know, Wayne Dyer has a great quote, which I probably recite in my head on a daily basis. It's none of my business what you think of me. Mm. Uh, It's none of my business what you think of me. Uh, Yet I spend so much time worrying about what people think of me. Uh, And so that just that just that idea of um, care less about what people think about you and be be committed to doing uh, what is purposeful to you. And so it's advice that I still haven't taken, uh, but I'm trying to learn a little bit more each day. Uh, it's advice that is worthy of hitting pause on the podcast and <laughs> writing down because every one of us. And thank you, social media, for, for making it uh, 10 yeah, times harder. You right? help us. Thank you for that. What would you tell your 20-year-old self, Travis, if you could transport yourself back in time and look at yourself with more hair and a little bit mm, more darkness A little less it, gray, yeah. What would, yeah. what would you tell yourself? Uh, again, it would be similar to that idea of uh, just don't care what people think, but it would it would go it would go to that idea of don't worry about the outcome. Uh, uh, you know what you're passionate about. You know what's in your heart. Uh, don't be rational. Don't be realistic. Uh, uh, you know, it's John. It's the one advice I. You know, I'm not an advice giver to people. I, hopefully, people understand the difference. I don't give advice to people. I share ideas. Um, and if it resonates with you, great. But if not, man, find something that does resonate with you. But when when younger people talk to me, you know, I have people come to me and say, "Hey, Travis, I have a couple of different opportunities. Which one do you recommend?" And my short answer is always is simply. Which one excites you? Mm-hmm. Not which one's going to look good on your resume. Which one's going to pay you the most money? Which one, if you had to go, okay, which one excites you to get out of bed every morning and go, man, I get to go do that? And I said, that's the one because that is going to lead <clears throat> to other opportunities, to other experiences. Because if you're excited, you're on purpose, you've got passion, and all that does is create momentum that brings more opportunities. So do what excites mm-hmm. you. Thomas, it has been said, sir, that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. What What would you want your one sentence to read? Oh, wow! Here it is. All right, uh, what would I want my my one my one sentence to be? Uh, that you know, I think it's as simple as he never stopped. He never stopped growing, and he tried to do his best every day. And that sounds so brutally cliche. But, you know, I, I, I think when it comes down to, you know, I'm always concerned about have I stopped growing? Am I being inflexible right mm-hmm. now? And, you know, again, I'm, you know, w- what is the definition of death? It's stiffness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what am I not being open to? And so I think if I'm committed to Growing on a daily basis and just being open-minded and open-hearted, I think that means I was a great spouse, a great parent, a great friend, and, uh, and hopefully someone who, who tried, uh, tried to do something good for the world. Well, man, it's a long sentence, but in improv, I know you say yes <laughs> and. There's a lot of commas and lot semicolons. Of not a whole lot of explanation points or questions, <laughs> but it was worthy, man. I, listen, we, we've had the honor of having some really great guests come through the studio. Oh, you and, have. And many of them have been very bold and vulnerable, but... You just opened up today, and I'm so grateful that you shared your heart, your journey, your faith, your mistakes, your lessons, your yes and methodology with us. We are better because you choose to grow each day and to become a better version of yourself each day. So, Thomas, Travis, Thomas, thank you for joining us this time. 
Oh, it is again, just just utter gratitude, John. Thanks so much for having me. That's my pleasure. My friends, that is Travis. Travis, tell us the name of the book again. Uh, the book is Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And. You can find me on liveyesand.com uh, and social media. I have to be on it. I've got a 14-year-old daughter who keeps track of me uh, at Live Yes And. Uh, it's worth checking out, and this is a worthy man to read, to follow. He's got a podcast. He's got a great book. Check him out. My friends, that was Travis Thomas. This is John O'Leary, and this is your day. Live Inspired. Thank you for joining me today on the Live Inspired podcast. I love Travis, and it was a joy having him in studio with us. Are you now ready to become fully unstuck and to live out that principle? Three words. You ready for it? Live, yes, and. Live, yes, and. Most of us, many of us, maybe not tuning in to the Live Inspired podcast, but many who are not yet, I think live no but. No but. Travis today challenged us to live, yes, and. He always inspires me. He's a phenomenal guest. His book is worthy. Check it out. And he's even a better person. So I'm, I'm sure you got a sense for his personality, for his love of his family, of his faith of his community, of his work, and of his life on this on this podcast. But to learn even more about him, check him out. We have links to him on our website. Go to johnolearyinspires.com, johnolearyinspires.com. You can grab show notes there. You can sign up to receive additional information regarding Travis and all of our guests by signing up at johnolearyinspires.com. My friends, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you, take a few moments to rate or review the show. We have already enjoyed, you ready? More than 250,000 downloads. That's you. It's you helping us share this message. It's you helping us to create a movement of men and women who are waking up from accidental living and choosing, and it's a choice, and we're making it, to live inspired. It's awesome that you're telling your friends, your coworkers, your family members about the podcast. I just encourage and implore you to keep passing the message on. Keep telling people about this show. Let's let's continue to expand this footprint and create a real revolutionary movement of people who are living inspired. I appreciate you tuning in this time. Thanks for being here. So for this time and until next time, this is John O'Leary, and this is your day. Live inspired.